This is the GQ Coaches Show with Coaches Goins and Quick, brought to you by the United States Basketball Association, the leader in youth basketball, usbahoops.com. Now, get ready to chop it up with your hosts, Coaches G and Q, for the real talk in sports. All right, hey, it's Monday night, it's Super Bowl week, and we've got some inside scoop and inside stuff from some dynamic guests. But before we get into that, Coach Quick, what's on your mind? Hey, what's going on, Coach G? You want to know what's popping with Coach Q? Well, Coach Q is so excited about the Super Bowl coming up this week between the Eagles and Chiefs, but I'm more excited about our very special guest on the show tonight via telephone. Man, I can't wait to sit here and chop it up with a dynamic author. So after this short break, Coach G and I are going to come right back, and we're going to be chopping it up with a dynamic author. So make sure those cleats are laced up tight. Coaches G&Q chopping it up. Hey, coaches, Super Bowl week. We've got a dynamic guest on tonight. So tell the audience who we have in the studio. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce to some and present to others. He is the author of the best-selling book, Brady versus Manning. Welcome to the GQ Coaches Show, Mr. Gary Myers. I really want to thank you guys for having me on the show. It's a real honor. Yes, sir. Without a doubt. So, hey, before we get started, Coach Quick, we just want to make sure that everyone understands that we're in the Set the Table segment, which is brought to you by the United States Basketball Association. So visit their website at usbahoops.com. Coach Quick, I know you're locked and loaded, and I know Mr. Myers is ready to roll. So what you got for us? Yes, sir. Mr. Myers, could you tell our listeners who Gary Myers is? Wow. Uh, how long is the show? No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I, I've covered the NFL for over 40 years, you know, first for the Dallas Morning News and the New York Daily News, then the New York Daily News. And I left the Daily News in 2018. I've really just been focusing now on, on writing books. And as you guys are nice enough to mention, I wrote the Brady Manning book, which was a Times bestseller that came out in 2015. And then just so your listeners know, I have a book coming out on September 12th of this year, it's called Once a Giant, a story of victory, tragedy, and life after football. And it details life after football for the 86, 1986 Super Bowl champion, New York Giants. And it really takes a deep dive into what uh, these players' lives are like and the challenges they face when they are in their 50s and 60s. And, and you know, the, um, the lights have been turned off and, and they're trying to make a life for themselves. Um, after football while also having to deal with the physical and the mental and the financial strains to some degree that a lot of these players face as they reach middle age. Absolutely. Um, and I, I'm looking forward to to that, to that book coming out. And also, I got to go get the Brady versus Manning book so I can make sure that I get that chance? brief. <laughs> I, I have got it, um, but I'm where I have you been? Get it. <laughs> yes, sir. He's struggling, Mr. Meyer. He's like me. He's he's a he's a uh, I almost said the Redskins. He's a Commanders fan, and I'm a Steelers fan. So I, I read it's hard for me to embrace Brady uh, when he took <laughs> us out when we're no longer uh, with six and he's got seven Super Bowls. Coach Quick. <laughs> Yes, sir. So what brought about your idea to put pen to paper 
um, to write this book that's coming out September the 12th, Once a Giant? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a great question. And um, what really inspired me was knowing through my years of, of covering the league uh, how important and, and how uh, what a challenge it could be for these players um, when they reach this point in their lives where they're in their 50s and 60s. And, you know, we've heard all about CTE and the damaging effects of concussions and players having shoulders um uh, knees and, and hips replaced, and some of them uh, having financial uh, problems and, and the health insurance from the league. Uh, you know, for the players of that era, the health insurance only extended one, two, or three years, depending on what time they, when they retired. And now it's at least up to five years. But um, keeping up with their health issues, you know, becomes a challenge because of the insurance situation. So. Um, and, and, and it has become such a huge issue. Probably the last 10 years, you've heard so much about how players are struggling. And so I, I knew I wanted to write about that issue. And then I decided I had to really decide how I wanted to go about it. That I just want to talk to a bunch of players who played in the 80s and 90s from around the league? Or did I want to focus on one team? And the reason I decided to focus on the 86 Giants was you know, first of all, I'm very familiar with a lot of the players. Um, I always wanted to write a book. None of my books have been about New York teams. Mm. And so I always wanted to write a book about a New York team. And I felt knowing that this team was really a brotherhood that 35 plus years after they won the championship, they're still very close knit. Um, and the guys who were uh, the leaders of that team, like Harry Carson and Phil Sims, Players from that team still reach out to them if they have a problem or an issue. And Harry and Phil, mainly Harry, um, for the most part, is always the first phone call when a player is in trouble. And he rallies the troops, and, and they come out and, and they help them. So all those factors combined, I decided to focus my efforts on this 1986 Giants team, which is the most beloved in New York of their four Super Bowl championship teams. And, you know, I had a kind of a running start on this because I knew so many of the players really well. And so I had the built-in trust factor already established. And I, I think people are just going to be blown away by some of the information that I have in this book. And um, it's by far and away my best book. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, I can't wait for September the 12th when that book comes out. Once a giant, I'm definitely going to it's going to be on my radar and I'm going to get it. Coach Goins, kicking it back over to you. Well, you know, I appreciate Mr. Myers taking in. Thanks for the assist, Coach Quick. But here's where I want to go. Also, folks, Mr. Myers has written a book. It's called The Catch. One play, two dynasties and the game that changed the NFL. A lot of times, the, you know, in, in the late, great Franco Harris, who was my favorite Steeler, and of course, mm -hmm. I, I'm a Steeler, that play Franco did in 72 was always referred to as the immaculate reception that set the Steelers, and we know the history from there. Would it be safe to say the Dwight Clark catch that you mentioned, did that set in motion the dynasty for the 49ers? Oh, without question, it was a, it was a changing of the guard somewhat also because the, the Cowboys had been the team in the NFC at least from you know through the 70s and in the early portion of the 80s. And after Dwight's catch, which won that game, 
the 49ers won their first championship two weeks later uh, against the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, and that was the first of five in a 14-season period from 81 to to 94 for the 49ers. And that, that catch was really the jumping-off point for, for that era of the 49ers that it signals a changing of the guard, like I said, and um, and and, not, and the Cowboys started going in the opposite direction. They, they kind of fell off a cliff by the mid '80s, and then it you know led to the end of the Landry era when he, he was let go in 1989. And for the 49ers, you know, they became um, the gold standard of franchises there for about a 15 year period. Yes, sir. And. And uh, and I think we can, if you're looking for the point, you know where the tide changed, it was that game and that catch. Well, you know what? Yeah, it was. And I'm, I'm like Coach Quick, so I, I've got my reading list already lined out, Coach. I, I know what I can be sending out for some birthday uh, wishes and say, hey man, p- pick this book up, get it to me, because I remember as a kid, uh, Mr. Myers, when you know Montana's floating back, he's on his he's on his back leg, he's got uh-huh. he's got two tall Jones in his face, Randy White is breathing down his neck, and all of a sudden out of nowhere from Kinston, North Carolina, you know, there's Dwight Clark catching that thing That's in the right. back of the end zone. Coach Quick, you may be too young to remember that, uh, but yeah. I, I go ahead. Yeah, I am a little bit too young to remember that one. But that is it, it, that was exactly. And when I when I when I read that, and, and you had written on that, Mister Myers, first thing that came to my mind it was it was the 49ers the immaculate reception because it changed it changed their fran- it changed their franchise and eloquently put it changed the National Football League. Yeah, you guys got to do me one favor. Though. Yes, sir. You, for the rest of this time that we're talking, can you just call me Gary? Okay, yes, sir. Mr. Myers that makes me feel too old. All right, sorry, but sorry. So, we, so duly, duly noted. I'll make that to make that note on my pad. Coach Quick, what do you have? Coach Quick, I'll kick it to you. All right, Gary, what are your thoughts on the goat in my eyes, Tom Brady's decision to retire and and his new role with Fox? Well, we'll see, uh, Coach, whether. He goes into the Fox booth for the 2023 season. Um, I know he has a contract with them, and he can pretty much start. You know, any it was basically when he retired, he can call the shots on when he starts. So I, I don't know whether he's going to want to just take a year off and be with his kids and and just kind of chill out for a year or start right away. But I, I was really, you know, I know Tom really well, and I was I was really happy he made this decision to retire because for the first time really watching him this season, I, I saw kind of a slippage in his skills, which is no, it's, I'm not being critical. I mean, the guy's 45 years old yes, at some sir. point it was going to happen. I mean, he defied history and everything else by still being a great player in his forties. But for the first time this year, I thought, uh, you know, watching him, you know, just, Missing receivers, throwing balls in the dirt when he saw that he wasn't going to be able to avoid the pass rush, giving up on plays too early, getting so frustrated on the sidelines. Um, it was really the first time that I thought, you know what? He's kind of looking his age now. Mm. And he always said, um, I know it's going to be time to retire when I suck. And, and that that's what, those are his words. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to say he reached that point. But he certainly wasn't living up to the standards that he had set at the high level of play for over 20 years. And 
obviously he had nothing left to prove. And it was just a question of him coming to grips with it and being at peace with himself that this was the right time and it would only get worse from this point forward. Um, even if at the worst, even though, and even though they had a losing record, the Bucks still made the playoffs this year and he still had a couple of fantastic comebacks against the Rams and the Saints which for very short periods of time. He looked as good playing the game as he ever had, but I just think he had reached a point where he couldn't sustain it over a full season. And um, like I said, I'm really glad that he made this decision. And, you know, certainly he went out on his own terms because if he had decided he wanted to continue playing, there were any number of teams that would have been very happy to sign him. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. I'm glad he um, made this choice as well. And as you said, he had actually started to look like just a regular quarterback and not the great um, Tom Brady. Right. There were, he had his moments where he looked great, but he just wasn't doing it over a consistent period of time anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't agree uh, anymore. I think you, you said it perfectly that um, – there were times that you go, boy, this has Tom look when he was 25 years old. And there were times you go, well, th this is what a 45-year-old quarterback is supposed to look like. And it's why nobody else has ever reached this point because at some point, you know, Father Tom catches up with all. Yes. And, uh, you know, the great thing for him is that other than 2008 when he suffered um, the torn ACL in the first game of the year, uh, he never missed a game in his career due to injury, other than that season, wow. which is amazing. Wow. I mean, it's really amazing. Um, and the fact that he can walk away from the game with his good health and a sound mind and um, and has so many opportunities. I mean, nobody should throw uh, um, a benefit, I guess is what I want to say, for Tom Brady. Uh, he's got plenty of great financial opportunities ahead of them. <laughs> we, we should all be so lucky. Um, so I, I think it's going to be difficult for him when the off-season program starts and the mini camps and OTA days and training camp. It's going to be hard for him like it is for any player who's done it for, you know, 10 years or whatever. The fact that he played 23 years, I think it's going to be even more difficult um, to come to the realization that he's not playing anymore. But I don't think – I know last year on exactly the same date he retired and it was, it was only for 40 days uh, and he had second thoughts for whatever reason. But uh, I think this time it's for good. Yes, sir. Coach G, kick it over to you. Well, listen, as we close out the Set the Table segment is brought to you by the United States Basketball Association, the leader in youth basketball. Visit their website at usbahoops.com. So listen, we're going to step away, but before we do, we our very special guest via telephone from New York, Mr. Gary Myers. It is He is the best-selling author of Brady versus Manning, the untold story of the rivalry that transformed the NFL. Coach Goins and Coach Quick, and we'll be right back. Hey, this is Pete Chilka, North Carolina Tar Heel and NBA champion. You're listening to the GQ Coaches Show on ESPN Radio 1240, The Boss. There's a lot of reasons why people trust Chris Montgomery at Alcova Mortgage. They have a diverse lineup of loan programs. So whether you're looking to buy a home, refinance, or tackle college expenses with your equity, you can put Chris Montgomery at Alcova Mortgage in the game for you. Call 540 290 
1-800-458-0558 or go online to alcova.com forward slash C Montgomery. Hey, this is Chris Patola, and you're listening to the GQ Coaches Show on ESPN Radio 1240, The Boss, the real talk in sports. With Coach Quick and via telephone from New York, our good friend, Mr. Gary Myers, who is the best-selling author of Brady vs. Man and the Untold Story of the Robbery and that transformed the NFL, and also the catch, one play, two dynasties, and the, and the game that changed the NFL. So with that, Coach Quick, as we get into the game plan segment, it is brought to you by Chris Montgomery of Alcova Mortgage. When it's time to get in the game, call Chris at 540-290-0558. What do you got, Coach Quick? Absolutely. Um, Gary, give us your thoughts on Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, and what do you think is next for both Jackson and the organization? Yeah, I, I, what I think is going to happen is if they can't come to an agreement in the next um, few weeks that Baltimore put the franchise tag on him and they'll just continue negotiations and then they'll have until July 15th to try to work out a long-term deal. Otherwise, you know, he'll either not show up or sign his franchise tag. Uh, I, I think that the Ravens, you know, definitely want to keep him. I would think he would want to stay comp- comp- uh Complicating the situation is the fact that Lamar doesn't have an agent. And when a team, and it's very, very unusual for, first of all, for a player not to have an agent, and really unusual for a superstar player not to have an agent. I think it just makes it much more difficult when the general manager has to talk contract numbers with the player himself, because those things tend to get a little personal, and uh, it's easier for the general manager to uh, relay those feelings or communicate those feelings to an agent because the agent's not going to take it personal. They know it's all part of the negotiations, but when the Ravens have to say anything negative and they got to say it directly to Lamar, um, you know, that can cause really hard feelings. So uh, I don't know exactly what his reason is for not having an agent and maybe he just wants to save the commission and, Whatever. I mean, it's his, it's his life. It's his career. He can do what he wants. But ultimately, I, I think I don't have any doubt that Lamar will be playing for the Ravens next year. It's just a question of whether they can reach an agreement on a long-term deal or he'll play for the one-year contract with, with a franchise number. And then they can franchise him again a second time. So uh, if he's looking for financial security for himself and his family for the rest of his life, a long-term deal will be way to go because there'll be a lot of guaranteed money in that. Absolutely. And and my take on it is I, I just don't understand why the Ravens wouldn't go ahead and try to work out a long-term deal because Lamar has sat back and he's watched some of these other quarterbacks get paid numbers, and he, and he absolutely feels in his mind he's better than some of these guys. Right. And, and so he's wondering why a, a, a franchise that he's come in and st- helped stabilize they're not willing to work out a long-term deal with him at this point. And well, I, I, Coach, I think that they have made offers. They just haven't come to an agreement. Mm. I mean, the Ravens do want to sign him to a long-term contract. Um, it's just they couldn't come to an agreement. And then, um, you know, it's very hard to do it during the season, especially when you're dealing directly with the player. So I, I assume if it hasn't picked up again as of yet, that it will relatively soon. Uh, but 
they do have the benefit of time. They'll keep them off the, the market by putting the franchise tag on them. And then, like I mentioned, the deadline is July 15th in order to sign them to a long-term deal. Otherwise, they'll have no choice but to play on the, the, the franchise tag or just sit out. I mean, at that point, after July 15th, you, you can't sign a player on a franchise tag to a long-term deal. So I, I do think it's going to get w- worked out. I think they'll sign him long-term. The Ravens want to do that to try to keep his cap number down because it's easier to keep the cap number down with a long-term deal than just with a, a one-year franchise tag. Uh, so I, I do anticipate this will get worked out. Uh, there might be a lot of twists and turns and some drama involved before it happens but and a lot of rumors, but I, I think it, it's in their both of their best interest to get this done. I agree. Coach Goins, I'll kick it over to you. Well, you know what? We, I, I got to go here with Gary, and, and he's been covering the NFL since 1978, Coach Quick. And me being a long, lifelong Steeler fan, I've got to be able to go here. So as it relates to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, there's a couple Steelers that I, that I think really should be in the Hall of Fame, like Elsie Greenwood. Uh, and 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 then that he he may not have certain numbers, and I know Lynn Swan and John John Stallworth. I don't think they may not be in because they're 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 overall you know yards per catch. What's your what's, what is your what is your insight on a player like L. C. Greenwood that has four Super Bowls was one of the mainstays for that defense, and him not yet being in the Hall of Fame? Well, first of all, Swan and Stallworth are both in. Right. Yes. Yeah, uh, I wasn't sure what you were saying there. Um, as far as Elsie Greenwood, I can tell you since I've been on the committee, uh, and that's 13 years now, um, he, he would have to get in as a senior at this point because his modern era eligibility is expired. And there were an awful lot of Steelers uh, from that defense that are already in the Hall of Fame. And which doesn't mean we can't put another one in. Um, but, you know, with Joe Green and Lambert and Ham and Nell Blunt, and I might be missing somebody there. I mean, they're pretty well represented on the offensive side. You have Bradshaw, Harris, Swan, Stallworth. Um, that, that's a lot of players from one team. And I, I think that they've been um, honored with all those Hall of Famers. I, I would really have to closely study Elsie Greenwood to give you a really good educated opinion on how he stacks up against some of the other seniors, but I'm glad you mentioned him because the, you know, kind of prompts me to do some homework on him. Well, we certainly appreciate that, Gary. And, and again, it's just like with Swan and Stallworth, into you you match their their numbers up in today's game, people would be like. Oh man, how did they get? Yeah, it helped that they've got four Super Bowls and they, you know, they were uh, uh, allowed to, you know, stretch the field and get down the field. But mm-hmm. I, I certainly appreciate, you know, your insight uh, on that uh, on this selection process. And and you, you're exactly right. We we do have a lot of Steelers in the Hall of Fame. Coach, quick, did you hear what I just said? But in that, yep. uh, <laughs> but in that, what what what? I mean, you you think about when you look at that draft class of Lynn Swan, Mike Webster. Uh, John Stallworth and Jack Lambert all were in the same draft. I mean, that's that's remark, and all four of them are Hall of Famers. So you know that that that's that's quite a feat. So here's what I want to do, Coach Quick. I want to kick it over to you for your next question. Absolutely, um, Gary. What are your thoughts on the Dallas Cowboys currently constructed, and do you feel Dak Prescott is the guy that can lead them back to a Super Bowl? 
Well, for the foreseeable future, Coach, um, it's got to have to be a Dak. I mean, they're they're pretty much locked into him for a few more years with that contract. Um, I thought he had a very disappointing season this year. Mm-hmm. He led the league in interceptions, even though he, he missed five games. Now, how much his his thumb, which he hurt in the opener, and then missed those five games, you know, how much that bothered him the rest of the year? I never really heard him talk about it. Mm. I don't know whether that was a factor in why he was getting picked off so much, but um, I, I think Dak is a quarterback you can definitely win big with, whether you can win a Super Bowl with. I mean, he's got to get him there first. When I think he's good enough to get him there. And then, you know, when, when the Super Bowl comes, it's usually such an evenly matched game that um, either team, you know, has a pretty good shot at it. But, you know, the question is, you know, Dak hasn't got him past the second round of the playoffs. I mean, the Ca- it, it's unbelievable when you think about it. The Cowboys won the Super Bowl in 1995, the last time they won it. And they haven't even been as far as an NFC championship game since then. I mean, that is unbelievable. When you think about it, they haven't been past the second round of the playoffs. You know, however many in a year, 27 years. Wow. And so the fact that, um, you know, after 95, Troy Aikman couldn't do it. Uh, Drew Bledsoe couldn't do it. Tony Romo couldn't do it. Uh, and now Dak hasn't been able to do it. You know, it, it speaks to maybe a larger problem in Dallas and just who the quarterback is. Mm. Um, but you know, on the other hand, they have drafted very well. And their their roster is extremely talented. Mm-hmm. Yes, they sir. should have beaten San Francisco um, playing with a rookie quarterback. You figure if, if Dak's going to have a, a really good edge on a quarterback – when you get to the, the final eight like that, it would be over a guy who's the last pick in the draft and, and is a rookie. But he didn't play well in that game. So now that they've parted ways with Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy's going to be the offensive coordinator, maybe that's what Dak needed, needs is a, you know another voice in his ear rather than Kellen Moore. And for a lot of years, Mike McCarthy you know had a lot of success calling the plays in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, and I think that move was kind of dictated somewhat by Jerry Jones wanting McCarthy to call the plays and maybe feeling that Kellen Moore had taken the Cowboys as far as he was going to take him as a play caller, and they needed another perspective on this. So I'll be really interested to see what happens with Dak this season, but they're really locked into him, so nothing's really going to change there. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, who we have on is Gary Myers. He is the author of the book, Brady versus Manning. He also has a book coming out on September 12th, Once a Giant. Um, and as we close out our game plan segment, it is brought to you by Chris Montgomery of Al Couple Mortgage. When it's time to get in the game, call Chris at 540-290-0558, and we'll be right back. There's a lot of reasons why people trust Chris Montgomery at Alcova Mortgage. They have a diverse lineup of loan programs. So whether you're looking to buy a home, refinance, or tackle college expenses with your equity, you can put Chris Montgomery at Alcova Mortgage in the game for you. Call 540-290-0558 or go online to alcova.com forward slash cmontgomery. 
are so excited. Super Bowl week, we've got none other than Gary Myers. He's best-selling author of Brady versus Manning, the untold story of the rivalry that transformed the NFL. Coach Quick, I don't know about you, but I think I'm going to ride with them Eagles, and I'm going to kick it over to you for your final question. Absolutely. Um, and by the way, I'm rolling with the Chiefs. But, Gary, what are your thoughts on Sean Payton getting back into the game with the Denver Broncos? And do you feel he can he can revitalize uh, Russell Wilson's career? You know, it's really interesting, Coach, that – uh, they gave up so much to get Russell Wilson. A couple of ones, a couple of twos, a bunch of players. Signed him to this huge contract, and he was just a disaster last season. So now they have to give up another first-round pick to bring in a coach who they think can fix him. Right. They have an awful lot invested <laughs> in, in Russell Wilson. You know, his mentor and hero is Drew Brees. And as we know, Sean Payton had a lot of success with Drew Brees. And if he can do for Russell Wilson what he did for Drew Brees, then bringing him in as the coach will be a brilliant move. Uh, and if anybody can fix Russell Wilson, I think it would be Sean Payton. But we also what we also don't know is whether last year was the start of a down cycle for Wilson. Was it really that he didn't adjust to Nathaniel Hackett's system, or were his skills set diminished? And I think we're going to find out really early in the season um, the answer to that question. But like I said, if anybody can get him fixed, it's Sean Payton, because he's one of the best quarterback coaches you know, of this generation. Absolutely. I completely agree with you, and I'm, I'm wishing them much, uh, much success in Denver with Coach Payton and Russell Wilson. But, Mr. Myers, I'd just like to say it's been a pleasure to have you on our show today. Thank you for accepting the invitation. I definitely got to get, get the book, um, Once a Giant, and I'm definitely going to be reading Brady versus Manning as well. Thank you again, sir. Um, we wish you the best of luck in all your future endeavors. Okay, well, thanks a lot, you guys. It's, it's been great uh, talking with you. Hey, we're back in, and as we get into our Real Talk segment tonight, it is going to be locked and loaded. Coach Quick, what's popping? Coach G, I'd like to welcome to the GQ Coaches Show our very special guest. He is the author of the book, Rocket Men, the black quarterbacks that revolutionized pro football. Welcome to the GQ Coaches Show, Mr. John Eisenberg. Well, thank you for having me on. Uh, very excited to be here and uh, talk about my my latest book. Uh, it's been a three-year project for me. It's been a true labor of love. And uh, the book, of course, is not quite out yet. It can be pre-ordered. But uh, I, I'm so excited to be bringing it to the public. And with two black quarterbacks starting in the Super Bowl this year for the first time, uh, it just is such an opportunity to to uh, talk to people like you about it. I'm uh, so excited. Yes, sir. We thank you so much for this opportunity. So, folks, we challenge you on this Monday night. Put your seatbelt on as we get ready to get into Mr. Eisenberg's latest project. Also, we just want to give you a little snapshot. He is author. He has put pen to paper for more than over 10 books. We'll be talking about that. So, Coach Quick, you have the honors. Yes, sir. Mr. Eisenberg, could you tell our listening audience who John Eisenberg is? Uh, well, uh, sure. I'm uh, uh, a native Texan, born and raised, 
Uh, hate to say it, grew up as a Cowboy fan. Uh, it's no <laughs> secret. I wrote a couple books about it. I'm sort of lapsed on that, if I can't say. Uh, in uh, 1984, I moved to Baltimore to write sports for the Baltimore Sun. Uh, and I was there for uh, 23 years as a columnist, went around the world uh, doing uh, all the great events and plus all the events locally, Super Bowl, World Series, all that. Uh, I got out of the newspapers in 2007, and uh, a couple years later, I went to work for the Ravens, uh, Baltimore Ravens, their website. They hired me uh, to write content for them, and so uh, mostly opinion pieces, which was interesting to be writing opinion on their site. It didn't always They didn't always like what I wrote, but it, it worked out all right, and I just retired from that, and meanwhile, all along, I've been writing books. And uh, as you're right, I've written 10. Uh, Rocket Men will be my 11th. And so I've uh, just done a ton of writing over the years based out of Baltimore. Wow, outstanding body of work. And I just like to say, I noticed that you said you grew up a Cowboys fan, and you said you hate to say it, so I take it you're no longer a Cowboys fan? <laughs> well, uh, I, I, I hate to say it because that, that statement has always been drawn a great reaction from people it never <laughs> fails so uh, uh anyway i mean i'm a old school cowboy fan i'm i'm roger staubach era so uh you know the more recent cowboys the uh, jerry jones cowboys not necessarily my favorite but uh uh i, I do still see that uniform i i, I root for him so i i guess i am still a fan <laughs> yes, sir. I grew up in North Carolina where all we seen was Cowboys and uh, Redskins games back in the day. So, But I'm a, Red, a, a Commanders fan, so, you know, I, I whenever I hear somebody say they're a Cowboys fan, they kind of get my hair standing up on the back of my neck a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I wrote two books about it, early days of pro football history in Dallas, so there, there, there's no hide. I'm out there. Yes, sir. Coach G, I'll kick it over to you. Well, you know what? When uh, Mr. Eisenberg was talking about that, when he, he when he said the, the Ravens, you know, my hair stood up on the back of my neck because I'm a Steeler <laughs> guy, right? And I was like, oh, wow. But then, what what a great great uh, rivalry. So let's go ahead and get into this thing. So as 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 we sit here, folks, we really want you to, to buckle up. And the reason why I say buckle up, it is Super Bowl week. We have an author that is with us today. And, you know, what we're excited about is this new project okay, entitled Rocket Man, the black quarterbacks who revolutionized pro football. So I'm going to ask Mr. Eisenberg to speak on what what sparked you to really go down this path and really shed some light on a subject that a lot of people really stay away from. Well, uh, I've been around football for for writing for 40 years. And uh, it just has always struck me as something. Uh, some of my other books uh, I've written about pro football history and sort of uh, certainly writing about Dallas back in the 1960s, the inequalities that a lot of the black players faced on the Cowboys that I don't think a lot of fans even knew about. Like, uh, you know, Mel Renfro was in the Hall of Fame uh, suing for fair housing in Dallas in the late 60s. That's where I grew up. And so I've, I've just always sort of been aware of this situations and the challenges that uh, many black players have faced in pro football and certainly the, the quarterback position. And, and I guess it helped me a little bit when, uh, when Lamar Jackson came to the Ravens uh, in, in 2008, let's see, 18 was the draft. 
such a fascinating situation with him. And I was just there still and saw it up close. And it just drove home to me. I mean, he had people at the combine suggesting to him that he should be a wide receiver. Wow. And so uh, and that's why he didn't run uh, wind sprints, the 40-yard uh, dash at the uh, combine, because he was afraid he's going to have a good time because he's fast. And uh, they would have <laughs> said, well, you're going to be a wide receiver. Uh, so he didn't run. So it's just it really the light bulb just came off for me. I said, I need to tell this story. Uh, you know, I, I've written a bunch of books. I have that sort of in my skill set. I said, I need to throw what I have at this and really tell the story. How did this position, how did the quarterback position become so dominated by whites? Uh, quarterbacks, even in a league now that is two-thirds black. And, uh, you know, when did it start to change? And, and you know, I'm a historian. So I, I want to just tell this history. And uh, that's that's what really got me going. Not not a brief project, not a small canvas. It was a big project, but three years in the making, I finally have a finished product. You know, and, and that's what's so exciting about the, the, the conversation today, Coach Quick, because the, the history of Mr. Eisenberg, over 3,000 columns written. He's won more than 20 awards. You know, he's written books on Cal Ripken, Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, the Super Bowl. He's covered the Olympics. And now we're having a conversation about his new project, The Rocket Man, the black quarterback who revolutionized pro football. Coach Quick, I'll kick it to you. Yes, sir. Mr. Eisenberg, why do you think there has been such an undercurrent regarding black quarterbacks in the NFL? Well, it is a it is a, a an amazing story, a sad story, uh, and uh, but maybe not such a surprising story. And if you go back, uh, the the story that I uncovered, I mean, when when pro football sort of offensive strategy, uh, let's say, went into the modern age in the '40s and the '50s. Uh, you know, the NFL was just coming out of a period where the league was entirely white. There were no black players in the NFL for a 12-year period, and uh, a lot of people don't know that. Uh, but uh, after World War II, that was the case. So when the quarterback position suddenly was becoming sort of a much bigger deal than it was, say, in the 20s and 30s, and offenses were changing, the league was all white. And so all the quarterbacks were white. And uh, the bottom line was, as the league started to integrate again, and bring in black players at other positions, uh, the, the the general managers, the coaches, everybody, it was all an all-white league. And uh, they, very honestly, didn't think that the black players the black players were smart enough. They didn't think they had it upstairs mentally. And, of course, you know, many of the first, the forerunners, the first guys that did it have talked about that, like James Harris, who I interviewed, and uh, fellas like that. Warren Moon has talked about it. I interviewed extensively. You know, just an unbelievable insult, and and but yet that was the reality uh, to get them into a leadership position, uh, almost impossible. And so, uh, you know, the, the the first guys that came, there were several generations that just didn't have a chance. And then the, the first guys that came along just battled it. James Harris, Marlon Briscoe, Joe Gilliam, uh, you know, uh, they all fought that stereotype. Uh, you know, for years. And so that was really the biggest thing going against them was the, the, the league just not believing in them. Wow. I, and for me, for one, I never realized that there was a 12 year period where there were no blacks in the NFL. So, I mean, that's, for me, this is a great education piece and I can go back now and look, look, look 
look for that stuff and find out um, and, and read up more about that. But I'm just glad that the game has evolved and has changed and allowed blacks to be a part of the game because there are truly some special athletes out there who are very smart athletes um, that are black. And um, they've changed the game forever. Oh, absolutely. And and what's unbelievable to me uh, is that how, how recently, I mean, the game surely has changed uh, and attitudes have changed, but how recently that was. I, I mean, last when, when uh, you know, here we have for the first time this year in the Super Bowl, two black quarterbacks, which is a uh, starting quarterbacks, which is a great thing. And, uh, you know, it's to the point where, where people, a lot of people aren't even going to be aware of it. They, they, there's a much less notice of color at the quarterback position, I think, than, than, than there was, say, when Doug Williams became the first black quarterback to win the Super Bowl and Steve McNair then played a few years later. It was still a thing. Uh, no longer the case. However, uh, you know, that is a fairly recent phenomenon. I mean, the first black quarterback to win the most valuable player award in the NFL was Cam Newton in 2015. So, you know, the league is 95 years old at that point. So, uh, you know, the, the attitudes have changed fairly recently and, uh, which is a sad story. I mean, these, you know, the, a lot of people have still worked against some, some prejudicial thinking. However, they're just so good. And uh, the league itself has changed and, and allowed what really happened is this. Around 2010, uh, the NFL, I think, started to realize for years and years, pro football, they just wanted drop back quarterbacks. You know, they didn't they didn't really want guys that were could run. Uh, they afraid they'd get hurt. They didn't think they're good enough passers. And then that generation with Cam Newton and Robert Griffin and uh, Kaepernick, unbelievable at the beginning of his career. And, and guys like that came in and said, look, you know, if you can run, it, you, you know, it's it's incredible. And so I think finally pro football changed. And instead of trying to make these guys adapt to their way of playing football, they said, we're going to adapt to your way of playing football. And, and I think that's definitely the way the NFL is now with uh, guys like Lamar you know, running a run-oriented offense, Kyler Murray and these other guys. So pro football finally changed. And, uh, you know, the, the, it's been a great uh, blessing. And, uh, and uh, black quarterbacks have really benefited from finally the changing of offensive philosophy in the NFL. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Coach Goins, I'll kick it over to you. I'll tell you what. I am sitting here having an out-of-body and the names that have been called and, and, and years gone by. Coach Quick, I know you too young to remember that, but when uh, Mr. Eisenberg dropped Joe Gillum out, I know you know he played for the Steelers, number 17. But in that, that's uh, we, we, I just want to give that shout-out. But look, we have, we're right in the middle of our Real Talk segment. We're going to step away, but via telephone, our good friend, Mr. John Eisenberg, who has the project that is coming out very soon. It is Rocket Man, the black quarterbacks who, revol- who revolutionized pro football. We'll step away, hear from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. There's a lot of reasons why people trust Chris Montgomery at Alcova Mortgage. They have a diverse lineup of loan programs. So whether you're looking to buy a home, refinance, or tackle college expenses with your equity, you can put Chris Montgomery at Alcova Mortgage in the game for you. Call 540-290-0558 or go online to alcova.com forward slash C Montgomery. 
Hey, it is Monday evening, Super Bowl week, and you know what? I, if you're not excited, something's wrong with you, but don't you touch that radio dial because we have author Mr. John Eisenberg with us tonight talking about his latest project, Rocket Man, the black quarterbacks who revolutionized pro football. Coach Quick, is he? I, I see Coach Quick dropping back in the pocket, so I'm going to kick it to him. Absolutely. Mr. Eisenberg, as you mentioned just a little bit earlier, history is about to be made during this Super Bowl at the quarterback position. How does that impact people's mindset to see two African-American quarterbacks getting ready to start in the biggest game of, of, of the year in, in the Super Bowl? And so how do you feel that impacts their mindsets? I think it impacts a lot. Uh, it's not to be underestimated because, I mean, th this story has come a long, long way from the years when when uh, the NFL really wouldn't let black quarterbacks play in the league. Uh, so it's come a long way. But, however, <clears throat> if you really do the math, um, I believe I did the math at the beginning of this year. Uh, there were 18 black quarterbacks in the NFL, I'm talking first and second string, uh, and that was 20, like 28% of the first and second string jobs, 32 teams. Uh, so 28%, uh, which is a huge improvement over what, where it was just 10 years ago, five years ago. Uh, however, uh, that's, uh, you know, in the rest of the league, the rest of the league, the NFL is, is close to two-thirds black. So the quarterback position, uh, you know, the black population still trails significantly. And and so I, I, I think that's reflective sort of of the, some of that old school thought. And I think it's still there to, to some degree. It's not it's not just discrimination so much as as, you know, I think it's people, uh, uh, you know, like Doug Williams told me, uh, he said, if, if if you're not good enough. In his era, his career ended a couple of years after he won the Super Bowl. He said, if you weren't good enough to, to, to start, there was no, really no place for you on the roster. They didn't have black backup quarterbacks because mm. uh, uh, the coaches didn't really want him in that role. And and so, uh, you know, that is still the case to some degree. And so there's still room for people, for minds to be open in the league. Uh, uh, you know, about what black quarterbacks can do. It's unbelievable we're having this conversation. However, it is there, the fact that, you know, the numbers speak. So uh, I, I think it's really important to see, uh, you know, you're going to have two just unbelievably talented quarterbacks uh, starting the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, one of them's going to win. And uh, I think it's just a great thing. It shows people. It just shows people. You know, there is, there's, uh, it is, it is just flat out wrong to put limitations on these guys for any reason. And so, uh, you know, every time you can do that, I think it just drives the point home. I think it's really important. Absolutely, I completely agree. And you know, regardless of who I'm pulling for in this Super Bowl, I just think back. I think about Jalen Hurts. The kid was giving up on at Alabama. He went on to Oklahoma and started there. He got to the NFL. Not many people thought that he could be a starting quarterback in this league. But just to to put in perspective the work that he's put in, the grind that he's put in, and now this young man is getting ready to have an opportunity to win the Super Bowl when everybody was actually trying to give up on him is 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 pretty remarkable and it's pretty impressive to me. Oh, what a what a story! Uh, a lot of people aren't aware of the fact when they drafted him, they took him in the second round, 
Uh, they, the Eagles had just given Carson Wentz a $100 million contract. Uh, they did not think Jalen was going to be the starter. They, they had just given, within the year, had given Carson Wentz a massive contract. So they had no intention of making him the starter. He'll be good insurance. And let me tell you, and this is what I write about in this book, there is a long, long history of, uh, you know, black quarterbacks being denied in the draft and their stock dropped and all sorts of things and uh, situations like that. And, uh, you know, to some degree, uh, you know, that, that impacted Jalen, who, who did lose his job at Alabama and had a great senior year at Oklahoma and, uh, you know, could easily have been a first-round draft pick if we had it to do over again. But, uh, you know, he didn't. And so uh, he's been dealing with that, and it's, it's just good to, to show people that, uh, you, know, uh, you know, this is a guy that was certainly deserving of being taken higher in the draft and uh, a real great talent and a certainly determined young man. And uh, it's just a great thing to see. Yes, sir. Now, your book, Rocket Man, is coming out in September, um, correct? That is correct. Yes, okay. it'll be out in September. It can be pre-ordered now. Well, I'm, I'm definitely on, on that radar, and I'm going to definitely be pre-ordering it. I, I can't wait to read this book, and so I'm looking forward to it. Coach Z, kicking it over to you. Well, I appreciate it, man. I just came out of the huddle, right? And I'm sitting here, and I'm, yeah. just, and I'm listening to this conversation, and I'm so grateful that somebody has taken pen to paper and calling this out. And then what I'm excited about, Mr. Eisenberg and Coach Quick, is as I sit here and I've got a picture of the cover of the book, I love that you have Warren Moon at the top of this book. I just well, go ahead, Warren Moon. Warren Moon uh, was a great friend of this project. Uh, I, I interviewed him uh, multiple times, and uh, he he is in many ways sort of the central figure. Uh, I, I think you know he's uh, he when he when he uh, joined the went to the Houston Oilers. Uh, his NFL career began. Uh, you know, he had been in Canada for six years because he went undrafted, which is unbelievable. Uh, and he had been, uh, uh, you know, in six years, won five championships. He goes to the Houston Oilers, and for the next 16, 17 years, he's uh, just a tremendous quarterback. And so, and he's a keeper of the flame. You know, he's the one that keeps it going. And when anything happens, he puts it on Twitter. He says, this is important. Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of, he has mentored generations of young black quarterbacks and gone to them and told them, you know, what can I do? I'm here for you. I'm here to help you. Good job. And, uh, you know, I, I, any environment, you need people like that elders. And, uh, he is that at this point. So, uh, you know, uh, he is certainly the right guy to be on that cover. You know, and, and I recognize that. And, uh, just, uh, I, I don't know Warren, but I know a good friend of uh, Mr. Moon's, uh, who is Ralph Sampson. And Ralph, and if I'm not mistaken, Ralph and Warren hit Houston at the same time when Ralph was the number one player picked in the uh, 83 draft. And so in that conversation and hearing Ralph talking about the stories of how Warren's family, he had to put him in the booth just because, you know, the what people were saying around them uh, when he you know, he became the quarterback of the Houston Oilers. And Coach Quick, you know what his number was. You, do you know what number he wore? Yeah, number one. Okay, so I, you know what? That what, I'm not gonna. Let, maybe that's brought out in, in the book, and I'm not gonna d dibble in that. But uh, what a tremendous, tremendous talent! And I'm and one thing that really stands out in my mind uh, about Mr. Moon is he always says, "I'm a quarterback, and I'm not changing positions. I am a quarterback." 
and that's what I'm going to play. And I'm so excited. Uh, and you know what? I'm going to go ahead and get on this pre-list, uh, pre-order list for this dynamic book, and we're going to definitely be pushing and pushing that envelope. So, Coach Quick, I'll kick it to you. Yes, sir. My question for you, Mr. Eisenberg, is this. Um, first and foremost, why do you think Lovey Smith was fired after just one season in Houston? And I would just like to see more African-Americans be able to have an opportunity to be head coaches in the league. I get there. There are a lot of um, defensive coordinators and special teams coaches and things like that um, who are who are coaching in the league. But I like to see the African-American get an opportunity, get more of an opportunity to be a head coach in the league. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, there's no question that that is that is actually, and I write about this a little bit at the end. That has sort of leapfrogged the quarterback position to be the sort of the focal point of of racial inequality right now in the NFL is definitely is going on uh, in coaching, and and more so than the quarterbacks. The quarterbacks that was sort of dominated for many years. That is changing as we've discussed. The coaching situation is where there's trouble right now. Lovey Smith. Uh, you know, and that that is the second uh, 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 black head coach in two years that they the Houston Texans fired uh, David Culley uh, the year before, uh, and he came from the Ravens, uh, where I and I was still working there. I mean, I stood behind him in the lunchroom. Uh, uh, you know, really sharp guy. Went down there, uh, old. A lot of a lot of fans probably hadn't heard of him. He'd been an assistant coach for many years in the league. Very impressive guy. And so he got a chance one year, he's out. Uh, Lovey Smith, uh, one year, he's out. I, I think the Texans looked at those guys as, as placeholders. You know, uh, I can't speak for that franchise. You know, not always, uh, you know, having a clear plan on things. And, and certainly the guy they've hired now, they've given him a long contract, and I sure hope they stick with it. You know, I, I don't, I, uh, you know, credit to them for hiring a black coach. Uh, discredit to them for firing him in one year, which is certainly no no chance. You have any NFL coach has no chance in one year to install their system and get it going. It's totally unfair. So uh, anyway, uh, I sure hope you know that uh, going forward they're better uh, you know with the black coach they've hired because uh, uh, you know he's an impressive young man and and I hope it goes well. Absolutely. D'Amico Ryans, as you say, that's a big time hire and he just got a six year deal. So and I agree with you. I hope they stick with him because I think he has an opportunity to do some big and big and great things in Houston. I mean, Houston is a great city for, for athletics to play in. The Rockets are there. The Oilers were once there. Now the Texans are back. So I like to see that that franchise get up and running and do some very special things here in the near future. Uh, for sure, and uh, I know they're going to be looking for a quarterback, uh, <laughs> I guess. And, uh, you know, there's the next generation of quarterbacks coming into the NFL. A lot of them, you know, it's dominated by black quarterbacks, really. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and Caleb Williams. I mean, there are some great quarterbacks coming into pro football in the next couple of years that are, that are black, and so uh, that would be a wonderful thing, too. And uh, so, you know, I hope that uh, to see those young men uh, get an opportunity in places where they have a chance to to grow, maybe with a head coach. Uh, that yes, would be sir. a great thing. Yes, sir, because if, if, if C.J. Stroud happens to drop to number two, the Texans need to take a long look at that okay. young man because he's done nothing but win. And I, I love to see him get an opportunity there. 
Absolutely. So uh, there's a whole generation forming. Uh, you know, I, I've just finished writing this book, and I was sort of writing about what, what we have going forward. Uh, you know, yet another generation. You know, but Mahomes, who was a, not that long ago, and Lamar were the first guys in, are no longer. I mean, they're sort of mid-career. They're in their mid to late 20s. But this next group, you know, Jalen Hurts and and uh, uh, Justin Fields. I mean, you know, there's some unbelievable talent. You know, Trey Lance got hurt this year in San Francisco. Uh, so, But uh, they still like him. And you can just see that next generation of black quarterbacks forming and uh and I think it's it's an outstanding generation. Absolutely. Coach G, kicking it over to you. You know what? I'm sitting here, man, and I just – I wish this could just go on and on because we are just <laughs> scratching the surface. But we're going to step away, hear from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. This is Bobby Collins, the head basketball coach at D. Shaw University. And you're listening to the GQ Coaching Show, the real talk in sports. Hey, listen, if you are understanding what we're accomplishing tonight, man, you've got to be a huge football fan because we're stepping behind the veil, having that uncomfortable conversation about such a position in the National Football League, and that is the quarterback. And our very special guest is the author of his new project, The Rocket Men, the black quarter, the black quarterbacks who revolutionized pro football. Coach Quick, I'll kick it over to you for your closing comments. Absolutely. Mr. Eisenberg, I'd just like to say thank you, thank you, thank you for accepting the invitation to come on the GQ Coaches Show and just to sit here and talk about your book that's coming out in September, Rocket Men, the black quarterbacks who revolutionized pro football. I can't wait to get this copy in my hand, and I hope our listening audience are listening. September, Rocket Men will be out, black quarterbacks who revolutionized pro football. Go out, get your copy. You can pre-order now. So get this book, let's support it, and let's push it forward out there. Mr. Eisenberg, great body of work. Thank you for coming on here, discussing these topics with us, and talking about your book it's truly been a blessing and i and as coach going said we can't wait to meet you in person so that we can get our signed copies and get a photo photo with you well uh we will make that happen one way or another for sure i i really appreciate the opportunity uh to come on uh, it is an uncomfortable conversation but it's such an important conversation and uh i'm just glad to to bring bring this situation to the light bring it out in the open it needs to be there and uh, uh, I, I appreciate uh, anybody that gives me the forum to come on and talk about it this was a, a long project as I said three years in the making and uh, yeah it can be pre-ordered on Amazon on barnesandnoble.com wherever you want and and uh, I just look forward to uh, to having this uh, out there and getting to talk and uh, this is a great show uh, I'll come on with you guys anytime so, you know what? All right, Coach Quick, write that down. So what we're going to do, Absolutely. we're, we're, we're going to go ahead and put them on the schedule in September, right? So it's all right. Folks, you already heard them say it, right? No, but what we'd like to be able to do is have uh, have you back on in September when this thing absolutely hits the shelf because it will fly off the shelf, and we will carve that out, Coach, so we'll put that on our calendar to reach back out. And uh, and you know what? We don't know uh, what's in store. It may be a live show. But, again, we're just so excited. We want to thank Mr. Eisenberg for his time and his talent and, most importantly, taking us where a lot of people won't go. So with that, Coach Quick, you know where to go. For Coach Goins, our very special guest, and for Coach Quick, 
We'll see you in the locker room. You have been listening to the GQ Coaches Show with Coaches G and Q on ESPN Radio.